Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto this day is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. I want to speak to you about the other side of Christmas. You may be seated. Well, Merry Christmas to everyone. And I hope that you were able to give the gifts that you really had in mind this year to give and that you gave the best gift to Jesus Christ. And I appreciate everyone who showed so much Christmas kindness to our family and our pastoral staff this Christmas and to the Jericho kids, personalized cards for my wife and me. It meant so very much all of your Christmas kindnesses to us. And when you leave today, if uh, every family, we have a Christmas card from my wife and me and our grandchildren. Someone texted me and said, you know that you're getting old when your grandchildren have displaced your children on your Christmas card. That's happened to us. When you, when you read through the Christmas story, you realize that the Christmas story is a whole lot like our story. If it had not been for the birth of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem and in us, we would still be lost and dead in our sins. I want you to think about the amazing miracles of Christmas, the supernatural side of God's coming to earth. Philippians said, "...is in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He made himself a servant. He came in the likeness of men." Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, the Apostle Paul would say. One of the amazing supernatural elements of Christmas are all the prophecies, the scriptural predictions that God gave hundreds and even thousands of years before Jesus was even born. In the Garden of Eden, right after the sin of Adam and Eve, the Lord gave a prophecy that the descendant of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent, that he would bruise his heel. So right after original sin, we have the first prophecy that one day a Messiah would be born. All the way back in that first book of the Bible, Genesis 49, written about 1400 B.C., hundreds and hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus Christ, there's a prophecy that a scepter would not depart from the tribe of Judah. In Isaiah 7, 14, 701 B.C., there is a prophecy that a virgin would conceive a son. His name would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. In the tiny book of Micah, there is a prophecy written somewhere around 750 B.C. that a Messiah would be born in a little town of Bethlehem. That little nondescript town would be the place where a descendant of David, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, would be born. 
In Isaiah 11, another prophecy written some 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, that the Messiah would be a descendant of Jesse, the father of King David. And there are many prophecies speaking of the descendant of David sitting on a throne, a house, a kingdom, and a throne. In Isaiah 11, this root out of Jesse. In Jeremiah 23, there's another prophecy written somewhere between 626 and 586 B.C. that the Messiah would be a descendant of David. And as I said, many more prophecies of that nature. So when you read the Christmas story, it doesn't exist in a vacuum by itself. It is undergirded by hundreds and hundreds of years of prophetic predictions that Jesus Christ would be born where he was born, how he was born, to whom he would be born, because God saw this birth long before it ever happened. What an amazing thing. And then in the Christmas story itself, it is just rife with all kinds of wonderful uh, supernatural interventions. There's the appearance of the angel Gabriel to Zechariah, saying that he and his old wife Elizabeth, who is past childbearing age, would have a son. He would be John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Hearing that Elizabeth was expecting a baby and Mary knowing that she would be having a baby, conceived of the Holy Ghost, she travels to the hill country of Judea to visit her cousin Elizabeth. When Elizabeth hears the greeting of Mary, the baby in her womb leaps. John the Baptist rejoices at the salutation of Mary. When the angel appears to Joseph in a dream to tell him that Mary has conceived a child of the Holy Ghost, take her to be your wife. This is not some illegitimate child. It is a supernatural visitation of the angel Gabriel. And then uh, to Mary herself, the angel appears and speaks of the birth of Jesus Christ. The birth of Jesus is set in motion by many miracles. Some two years before the birth of Jesus Christ, Evidently by the prophecy and words we know, there is a supernatural light that appears to the wise men in the east that gives them an indication that a Jewish Messiah would be born king of the Jews. And then we sang about it today, but there is this announcement to the shepherds who are keeping watch over their flocks by night in the field, a single angel and then an angelic host that appear to them telling them, Go to the town of Bethlehem. You're going to find this baby. This will be your sign that he's going to be wrapped in strips of cloth. He'll be lying in a feed box, a manger. This is how you will know that God has come to earth. When Jesus is 40 days old, he's taken to the temple to be dedicated, we would say. And Simeon, this old man, is, comes into the temple led by the power of of the Holy Spirit. He prophesies over Mary and baby Jesus. And then Anna the prophetess comes in led by the Spirit. All of this part of the supernatural intervention. The star reappears to the wise men. It comes and stands over the house where Jesus and his mother are in Bethlehem. The wise men are warned supernaturally to go home another way and not return to Herod. Joseph is warmed in a dream to take Jesus down to Egypt. He's told in a dream again to come back to uh, Palestine. And then in another warning in a dream, Joseph is told 
to divert from Bethlehem to Galilee. Those are kind of a summary of the supernatural events of Christmas. What an amazing undergirding of God's power displayed at the birth of Jesus Christ. The supernatural side of Christmas. But there's another side of Christmas that we need to see as well. Not everything is supernatural and stunning and starstruck and it's not all angels and supernatural voices and dreams and visions. There's a side of of Mary and Joseph expecting a baby and being misunderstood. Now Mary knows that this baby is conceived of the Holy Ghost. Joseph knows. Elizabeth knows. But God who can do anything does not convince the rest of the world by some writing in the sky that Jesus is supernaturally conceived. In his ministry, Jesus is thought to be an illegitimate child, supposed to be the son of Joseph. Well, Mary and Joseph would bear this reproach their entire lives. Welcome to the other side of Christmas. Now Mary has a baby conceived in her supernaturally, but her pregnancy is not supernatural. She's going to have all the discomforts of pregnancy. She's going to experience labor pains. She doesn't get an epidural or a spinal block. There's no C-section. In fact, in the, in the biblical record, there's not even a mention of a midwife to help Mary with the childbirth. We don't know about that, but that's just the other side of Christmas. And to make matters worse, for Joseph and Mary, there, there's no room in the inn. She brings forth her firstborn son. She wraps him in strips of cloth. She lays him in a manger but there's, because there's no room in the inn. Now, in Bethlehem, believe me, no, there was no Hyatt touch in Bethlehem. They didn't even leave the light on like Motel 6 in Bethlehem. This, you know, maybe there was a, what was called a caravan Sarai, a, a circle of enclosures where people would come. This is a little town, a little town of Bethlehem. And all the descendants of David have converged for the census and the taxation and all of the infrastructure of Bethlehem is, is stressed, and there is no room for Mary and Joseph in the end. But seriously, folks, couldn't somebody give up their room for a lady who's nine months pregnant? But they don't. The other side of Christmas is that Mary and Joseph are, are displaced and probably have this baby in some enclosure, a barn. And, and uh, in this environment, she lays baby Jesus, God in flesh, in a feed box. Now, the Bible says manger, but it was a place where livestock ate their grain. And I've seen similar uh, structures before. It's like a little dirty feed box where there are layers of dried animal food, grain, kind of candied with animal drool over years of time. 
I know it's gross. It was gross. I hope she lined it with hay. We sang Away in a Manger, that sweet little song. It wasn't quite that sweet on that first night of Christmas. That's the, that's the other side of Christmas. And then the wise men who see the star in the east think, baby, king, babies are born in palaces, in capital cities. So they just naturally go to, to Jerusalem and they seek an audience with King Herod thinking that everybody is going to be so excited about a king of the Jews that's born. And so they go to Herod. And Herod, in his devious to men in mind, is intimidated by this threat to the throne. He lies to the wise men. Go find him. Come back and let me know where he is so I can come and worship him too. And they leave, and the star reappears and guides them to the very house where Mary and baby Jesus are. And, you know, think about this, ladies and gentlemen. If God could let a supernatural star appear in the east, if the supernatural star could reappear and guide the wise men to Bethlehem, to the exact house, don't you think that God could have allowed the wise men to divert around Jerusalem. Herod would have never known about this, but God did not shield earth or Jesus or the wise men from the natural other side of Christmas. Because the wise men had this audience with Herod and because God warned them to go home another way, Herod in his wrath sends soldiers down to Bethlehem and every boy two years old or younger are put to death in Bethlehem. Now this is a small town. Some estimates could be as low as 20 babies put to death, maybe 200, maybe more. But real babies die on the other side of Christmas and God does not intervene in real life and mamas weep over little babies the age of our grandson Rhett they're put to death in the Christmas story with all the firepower that heaven possesses God did not fire a single shot to stop the death of those babies in Bethlehem and, and that may seem wrong to you but welcome to the other side of Christmas welcome to the side of Christmas where all of us live amen Never doubt that an all-powerful God could have orchestrated every event. He could have removed every obstacle. He could have eliminated every circumstance of pain and stress so that Mary and Joseph could have been carried by an angel on that 90-mile journey down to Bethlehem that Jesus could have born and been born in a plush suite, you know. He could have done that. But God in the highest came to earth in its lowest because that's where we all live in sin and pain and challenge and tragedy. That's where we live. And God who is sovereign and can choose to do whatever He pleases. 
chose to not make everything miraculous in a Christmas story. That is the other side of Christmas. And in our lives, God has chosen to save the glories of heaven for heaven. And not to give us heaven in its fullest on earth. That's why I say that the Christmas story is much like our story. In our own lives, we marvel when the hand of God moves in us and for us. But we all struggle with the realities of life in a fallen world away from God. We pray for the miraculous intervention of God in the struggles of our own lives, in our sickness, in our pain, in our sad goodbyes. And I'm sure we wonder, I'm sure you do, I know I do, I wonder at times why God who could make it all better does not. Many people ask, why God? Foolishly question the love of God and His power and His world. Brother Brad Frayne spoke to our, our crowd students, our teenagers a couple weeks ago about the messy world in, into which Jesus came. And for the full effect, he, he purchased bags of cow manure. And he opened them so all the students could smell what the barn smelled like on that silent, holy night. And he told those teenagers that Jesus Christ was not afraid to come into our messy world. And he did not stop this world from being messy. And I just want to tell you today that no matter what you are facing in your life, whatever is imperfect, whatever lacks the glories of heaven, that that does not prevent God from coming into the mess of our lives, into the struggles of our world, into the pain that we are facing. Today, many of you who are, who are worshiping in the sanctuary and watching online, you're dealing with sickness and pain and heartache. This week, one of the men who was a part of this church for many years passed away, Brother Roger Pemberton. And this just Friday, Brother Nathan got the news that his dad unexpectedly passed away. This week, Sister Sini got the news that not one but both of her parents are struggling at death's door. We have wonderful men and women in our church who are bedfast, homebound, in nursing homes. Brother and Sister Radford dealing with health issues. Yesterday, as I do from time to time, I called Brother Lee Laminac to see how he and Sister Agnes are doing they're confined to home. He hasn't been to church for over two years because he's home taking care of his wife who is not well at all. Two years ago, my wife and I spent our Christmas with my parents when my dad was still alive. And dad spent Christmas week in the hospital. He later passed away in July of that year. But welcome to the other side of Christmas. But while we deal with the realities of here and now, 
We have a hope up there that Jesus Christ came to deliver us from our sins and give us the promise of a world where there is no more sorrow or pain or death for the former things will pass away. We live here for there. We live now for then. Welcome to the other side of Christmas where we all live. We, we celebrate with people like the heroes of Hebrews 11. Who through faith they subdued kingdoms and brought about righteousness. They obtained promises. They, they shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. and They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness they were made strong and they waxed valiant in fight. They, they turned to flight the armies of the aliens. And women received their dead back to life again. That is part of our story. But we also relate to the people of Hebrews 11, the others the Bible speaks of, who had cruel mockings and scourgings, who had bonds and imprisonment, who were literally sawn in half, who were tempted, who were slain with the sword, who wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, who were destitute, afflicted, and tormented. The Bible said that the world was not worthy of those people. And even though they did not experience miraculous deliverance, they were people of faith who lived on that other side of the promises of God. Amen. So I just want to come introduce a little reality today that when God appeared to the shepherds and an angel said that God has come to earth, he said, I'm going to give you a sign. You're going to go to the little town of Bethlehem and you're going to come find God in flesh living there in a little manger wrapped in swaddling clothes because God in the highest came to earth in his lowest. He came to the other side of Christmas to give us hope that he would pull us out of here and he would take us there. So as we live in the nasty now and now, let us never forget that Jesus came to us on our worst day, in our worst conditions, to love us while we were dead in our sins, to bring us up and out of that other side of Christmas, give us hope in our pain, give us promises and all of the sorrow of our lives. Amen. So if you've been struggling with that other side of Christmas, your own manger condition of your life, your pain and sickness, your humanity and mortality, all of us deal with that other side of Christmas. I want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you. He did not come to save you out of earth now. That would come later. But he did come to deliver us from our sins and to give us the hope of heaven. Would you please bow your heads right now?
I thank you, Lord. That you do not shy away from the lowest places where we've lived. The despicable deeds that many have done. And the struggle, oh God, with questions unanswered. And pain not healed. And partings not understood. Thank you, Lord, that you do not spare yourself the realities of planet earth. But God in the highest came to earth in its lowest to save us from our sins, give us the hope of heaven. I pray that in this place today, Lord, you would give us perspective, that you would help us, Lord, not charge you foolishly in the struggles of our lives. I pray, O Lord, that today on Christmas Day, as you have been born in this world, I pray that you would be born in the heart of a person who needs salvation today. I pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.